So today we welcome Sister Katrina of the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, who are based in St. Saviour's Parish here in Limerick. You're welcome, Sister Katrina, and thanks again for joining us on this Come and See Inspirations recording. Thank you so much for having me, John. We'll talk later on about your community work here in Limerick. Um, but maybe first, you might be able to share with us a bit about your family background, please, and how, if I can phrase it this way, how an Irish girl can come involved with the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, which I believe is founded in Nashville in Tennessee in USA. But just before that, uh, maybe share a small bit about your family background, maybe school, faith practice and that sort of stuff, please. Yes, yeah, certainly. I'd be happy to. Um, so I grew up in Wexford. Uh, I grew up on a farm and um, I suppose my earliest memories of uh, the faith uh, was praying the rosary around the fire in the evening time. Uh, and uh, my, that was uh, with my grandmother. And she always insisted that we pray the rosary. It didn't matter what was on telly or who was visiting and <laughs> that, that was always always a regular so you couldn't argue you, you'd never win <laughs> um, but that was a beautiful memory and a beautiful um, I suppose formation in our faith and then also uh, seeing my parents as I was growing up and just their complete dependence on divine providence or uh, as many of you who are listening know uh, farming uh, really really needs to depend on the Lord, you know. Um, and so uh, growing up uh, with that background um, and going to Mass uh, weekly um, and sometimes to daily Mass as well. Uh, but when I went to uh, secondary school, then uh, my faith uh, probably didn't develop um, into a, a mature relationship with the Lord. Um, so I just uh, I just practiced my faith as usual. Uh, but it wasn't until my uh, 20s after college when somebody asked me to go on pilgrimage with them. Uh, and that was the first time I think I really realized that um, that for everything that I had uh, and for all the fulfillment that I had in life, I had um, a great a group of friends around me. I'd finished college. I was working. I was really loving life. Uh, that there was something missing, and I didn't know what it was. Uh, and I was trying to trying to fill it in. And uh, when I went on pilgrimage, I just experienced this great time of silence, which was very um, disconcerting, actually, and, and uncomfortable, uh, because it was the first time I really had to um, to listen to the Lord, and that was a huge time of grace and transformation for me. And it was the first time I had gone to confession in a long time as well. So receiving the sacrament um, of reconciliation, I think really those two opportunities really opened me up uh, to, to when I was leaving the, the pilgrimage uh, that I hadn't really wanted to go on. Um, but uh, somebody who I uh, didn't know very well at all she said so what are you going to change when you go home and I looked at her and I thought well change <laughs> I don't think I'm going to change anything I'm very happy with how I'm living um, but uh, but but that again uh, was the challenging question uh, of was I really going to follow the Lord or was my faith just going to be one other compartment in my life um, and so when I came home, uh, I sought out actively um, 
groups of uh, young people who were sharing together in community in their faith, uh, U2000, Pure in Heart. Uh, and I began just uh, to myself try to go to daily mass. Um, and really, it's like a spiritual gym, you know, when you start and you're really unfit. Uh, it takes a while to, to build up the practice uh, of um, going to mass or praying. Um, and so I failed at that many times, but the Lord gave me grace to keep in and, and then uh, was was a great a great benefit as well and so it was around this time you said maybe you were around the 20 20 ish years of age um had you any other thoughts in terms of of work or how you were going to pursue a career yes so i studied uh, i uh, studied pharmacy in trinity college in dublin and then after that i i worked as a pharmacist and loved my work uh, really um, i loved being able to to serve others and being in the healthcare profession uh, and i always desire i really really wanted to get married um, now i do have a memory of when i was eight and uh, it was a, a time of uh, i suppose great um suffering in my family. My dad died. And at that time, I remember um, being very close to the Lord and, and saying to my family, oh, you know, I want to be a nun when I grow up. Uh, but of course, you know, the following week it was, I want to be a teacher and I want to be a nurse. So, <laughs> so nobody, nobody, including myself, paid much heed to that. Um, but, uh, but yes, this, this desire was on my heart. I just assumed that I would get married and have a family. Um, and um, and so it was actually after I came back from pilgrimage and after I began this slow process of, of walking with the Lord and beginning to really discover that my faith um, wasn't just something either theoretical or devotional, but that, um, that it's a relationship with someone, it's a relationship with the Lord. That was something really new for me. Um, and so I am... Um, I then asked the Lord um, to, I began to ask him, well, what do you want for me in my life? Um, and that, again, was, was the first time that I'd ever invited the Lord into that, because before that, I had always uh, made my own decisions um, and not, not even considered that the Lord might be part of that. And so I was sharing one day with uh, my spiritual director, a priest that I knew, and I was complaining to him that, you know, I have everything now. I was even building my own house at that time. Uh, and I was like, I have, I have a job and um, I am just ready to, to get married. And uh, in that same moment, uh, I said these words. I said, you know, I think I might have a vocation to religious life. And it was almost like an outer body experience because I, I was like, gosh, did that just come out of my own mouth? Um, but yeah. at the same time, I began to weep and experience a peace that I never had before. Um, and at that, I never looked back from that moment. Um, I never doubted um, that this was not just, a, it wasn't in any way the Lord forcing his will on me, but it was 
rather just this beautiful invitation uh, to be his bride um, and uh, having the grace to be able to say yes to that. Just a thought that just comes to me there, just as you're speaking there, sister. Um, you said you were, you were involved with a few other groups, uh, people who thought very similar to yourself in terms of faith, you 2000 and, and uh, Pure in Heart. Uh, friends like that, uh, having support like that around you at that particular age, is so important to help somebody to, to hold on to the faith at that particular age. Is that right? Yes, um, and having holy friendships is such a support um, and such a, a grace and a gift uh, to have people around you who are desiring to do the same thing, to do God's will and to discover it for them, in, discover what that is for them in their own lives um, and to be able to share that together. And so it's really wonderful to have, um, and there are many others, other groups around the country now as well, uh, but it's so it's so important to us. Um, we're we're made for community, you know. We're made for sharing. That's wonderful news for for maybe people to hear who might be listening to the program in, in the same boat as yourself. So at this particular stage, part of your your, your journey, you'd um, you got this idea, this strong idea about maybe a vocation. Where, where, where would it continue on from there then? Yeah. So picking up from there, so I had. Uh, no idea where the Lord was calling me, um, and I certainly um, had no desire to leave Ireland. Um, so I began to um, to be in touch with religious communities and to go and do come and see weekends. And uh, it seemed like anything that I tried, the the door just what was closing on it. And so um, and so eventually um, I began to. Um, I suppose, open open my heart a little bit more to what the Lord was proposing to me. Um, and so I, I considered Europe, I considered com communities in Europe. Um, and eventually, just online, I discovered the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. I was attracted by the name. Um, I love music and played music. And I knew that St. Cecilia was the patroness of music and the arts. Uh, but beyond that, I knew nothing. I had no idea where Nashville was. I was not familiar with the Dominican charism. Uh, but I, I felt called after reading about the community online to visit more to prove to the Lord that I wasn't called to that community. Um, but when you try to make a deal with the Lord, um, he always wins. <laughs> so, anyhow, I did learn that because I I wasn't I hadn't arrived at our mother house in Nashville. Um, I wasn't there twenty four hours, and I knew that that was going to be home for me. And I just I felt so called and uh, to that community, uh, and by seeing really the deep joy. Uh, of the sisters interacting with one another. Um, and as I stayed, I mean, being an Irish person, I'm cynical. So I, I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe this joy is all just just a show for during my time, my visit. But, um, but no, as I, I stayed and uh, observed the sisters, I really realized that the source of this joy is um, it's much more than a superficial joy. It's really a supernatural joy in sharing and um, sharing in the life of the Lord. Um, and that is especially through the Dominican pillars of prayer, 
community life study. And then, as St. Thomas says, um, you know, to contemplate and then to give to others the fruit of that which you have contemplated. And that is the Lord. So that relationship with God overflowing then into the apostolate. And so at this stage, had you made up your mind that you're going to give it a go? You, you were going to join them? So, yes, I visited Nashville. I went on a vocation retreat in May uh, and I entered in August. Uh, I just said to the Lord, I said, I was still halfway through building my house uh, and had no idea what was going to happen with that. But I said to the Lord, I said, you know, if you want me here, I know I trust and I believe that that you'll make it possible. And certainly every door opened uh, and I was able to enter in August. Um, and this is my 10th year in religious life now. Thanks, Peter Guy. Question, yeah. how did your friends and your family react to th this idea? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd say my friends were probably surprised slash shocked um, because I was always the one who was organizing the party or the weekend away or a holiday. And so, um, and so they were surprised. I think my family were sad that I was leaving the country. Um, but, but I think um, kind of what was unanimous was uh, they could see tangibly the peace and joy that I had in discerning that the Lord uh, was inviting me to religious life. And um, they, they desired that for me too. You know, they desired that happiness. And in a beautiful way, um, when I went, when I left Ireland, um, I really began to have a closer relationship with my family. Uh, and they began to, to enter into the realization that they weren't losing me, uh, but really that they were gaining 300 sisters in our community. Um, and at that time, when I left Ireland, our community did not have a mission here in Ireland. Our, you know, there was no prospect of of having a mission here. Um, and so I entered believing that I would be in the US for the rest of my life. Um, and and not to be outdone, the Lord always gives us the hundredfold. Um, and certainly uh, he has done that. And uh, my family uh, and friends, um, but especially my family have, have really loved having the sisters here in Ireland and getting to know them and having them like sisters or daughters. Good, good, beautiful news. So at this, so you've joined now in August. So what, what were the steps now in terms of your formation as a religious sister? Okay, so typically in our community, um, we enter in our first year is our postulant year. And so that's a year of really um, just coming to understand, uh, coming to know the community and coming to uh, experience religious life for the first time, convent life. Uh, we take classes. Uh, the community have a college uh, in Nashville, so Aquinas College, where our sisters teach. We take classes towards uh, teaching, which is our charism typically, and uh, also theology and philosophy. Um, and that at the end of that year, you receive your habit and you receive a new religious name and you become a novice. Um, and that year, um, 
it's now extended to two years, your novitiate, your novice um, experience, that is canonical. So that uh, is a time that's determined by the church in order uh, for the sister to, uh, to, be, to study the vows um, of poverty, chastity, and obedience, um, and to really have a time set aside where they can deepen their relationship with the Lord. So that's a cloistered year, the first novice year. Um, and that means that you're typically at the mother house. You're helping with the duties there. You're uh, studying the vows um, and uh, sharing again, deepening your understanding of religious life. And then the second year is um, an apostolate year. So again, you're still a novice, but you're um, experiencing life in the apost teaching apostolate. So to help, um, again, an understanding of uh, our specific charism as Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. At the end then of your um, second novice year, uh, you make first profession. And so you profess those vows. Um, of poverty, chastity, and obedience for three years, for a period of three years. Um, and that, again, is uh, a discernment uh, with you and the community together uh, that you will go, that you will do that. And uh, you've now changed your veil from a white veil to a, to a black veil. And then at the end of the fifth year, you'll renew those vows. Um, and then at the end of um, year eight or nine, uh, make perpetual profession. So that is where you're saying, for all my life. Um, so I am committing to, uh, to living out these vows with the grace of God uh, for all my life. And it's beautiful in the church's wisdom, the different stages of formation um, to allow us to be able to uh, discern the Lord's will for us um, and to make that commitment. And you said there, Sister, that, that you choose a name in, in religious life uh, after being there for a year. You chose St. Catherine, did you? I did. So what we actually choose, we choose three names or we submit three names to our Prioress General and, uh, and our, our reasons for choosing them. And then on the day of the reception to our habit, uh, she she names us. Uh, and it most likely will be one of those three names, but it could be a different name. And so I had chosen uh, Sister Katrina uh, for St. Catherine of Siena, um, whom I had grown to know uh, a little bit during my postulant year. Um, but uh, she's... Uh, a wonderful patron. Um, she's a doctor of the church as well, and just uh, yeah, a, a, a wonderful uh, example of fortitude for me. So at this stage, um, you just said to us there, uh, you've been with the Dominican Sisters of Sincerity for ten years. So you would have, you would have um, professed your perpetual vows. Is that correct? I have, yes. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for that. So you've, you've had to do a little bit of work then. So, well, not that you weren't doing any work before that, but now maybe, <laughs> a, bit, maybe a bit more involved in the work that the sisters um, that your order uh, work with. Um, what sort of works do the sisters get involved with? Yeah, so our primary apostolate is teaching. 
And so um, I have taught in the US, I've ta taught from fourth grade all the way through to the end of high school. Uh, and um, my subjects have been history and religion. Um, but uh, then in 2016, I came here to Limerick uh, as one of the first four to start the mission here. And our work here is, is slightly different. Uh, we're more involved in faith formation, um, which is the opportunity to, to teach and preach and evangelize as well, which is certainly part of our charism, uh, but less in a formalized setting uh, of teaching in the classroom. And so I was here at St. Xavier's for two years, and then I went back to the U.S. and I taught high school religion for a year. And um, I've been back here at St. Xavier's again uh, for two years. It's lovely to have you all with us. Thank you very much indeed for, for all the work uh, and the encouragement that, you, that you've given us all in the diocese since you've arrived. And I know there's a few resources um, that you've you just touched on it there. There's a few resources that you do offer uh, the people of Limerick. Uh, can you just share some of those resources with us, please? Yes, certainly. Um, so... Here at St. Saviour's, um, there are two other sisters, Sister Rose Miriam and uh, Sister Mara Rose. Uh, and we offer yeah, a variety of faith formation programs for different age groups. So we have um, a team of catechists here for Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And that's um, a religious education and faith formation for children ages 3 to 12. And it's based on the scripture and the sacraments, and it's tangible. Um, so it's wonderful, uh, a wonderful way for children uh, to learn, especially uh, kinesthetically, uh, using materials based similar to the Montessori method. And so we run that program uh, here at St. Saviour's, and that is, uh, we offer it during the week on Tuesdays and then uh, every second Sunday. At, at the moment, that's online, uh, as most of our programs are. Uh, Sister Rose Miriam uh, runs a catechesis um, study group. Um, and so they've been, this uh, group of people have been walking through the catechism this, uh, this past year and a half now together. So they uh, have readings each week and then they come together to discuss uh, and just break open the truths of their faith and apply it to their to their daily lives. Um, Sister Mara Rose is involved with a student body called Ignite Ireland, um, and they seek to evangelize students on college campuses uh, throughout the country. And they have been um, having various Bible studies there on Wednesday nights, but tonight is starting a new four-week uh, program for them. And uh, it's available to either college students or young adults and that is really exploring why do we worship and uh, so looking at the different facets of liturgy so that'll be for the next uh, four weeks and then um i believe is there some uh, connection uh, that, that lay people can become involved with, with the dominican laity yes yes there is um so um the uh, Dominican laity uh, are a, um, a group of lay people who commit uh, to living 
the Dominican charism, um, but within their their own vocation um, of marriage or uh, single life. Um, and so they go through a program of formation uh, and then they can make promises. Um, and uh, that is, uh, again, to, to live that charism um, and also then uh, to reap the benefits of being part of the greater Dominican family. Sister Katrina, if, if somebody was listening and maybe was interested in some of those resources that you've just mentioned, how could they find out more about it or make contact with uh, with the sisters there? That's a wonderful question. Yeah, so we have a um, both a Facebook page uh, for our community. So that's um, Dominican Sisters in Ireland. Our, our uh, parish Facebook page is St. Saviour's Church Limerick. And our website is also um, St. Saviour's Limerick. Okay, so really any one of those sources would be able to, to make some contact with, with the sisters. Now, may, maybe there's someone listening to this interview who might wish to explore a little bit further the life that you've just uh, shared with us in terms of your own uh, vocation, finding out about it, uh, seeing what it's all about, and so on and so forth. And maybe they'd like to follow maybe the way that you followed or somewhere, something similar. What would you say to them? Somebody who was thinking, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind that life myself. Yes, I think my first advice would be to pray um, because praying is just talking with the Lord, you know, um, and a vocation, whether it's to marriage or religious life, is a gift from God. Um, and it's something to be discerned. So to um, to to realize, uh, you know, what 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 am I made for? You know, what is the Lord calling me to in my life? Uh, and to pray that you might hear that call and then to be able to respond generously uh, and to remember that God always wants our happiness. So he's not going to call us to something that's going to make us miserable. Um, maybe the next advice would be um, to be informed, like what are, are your options? Um, so uh, if it's to look at religious communities, to uh, to be in touch with them, uh, to be in touch with the vocation directors of the communities. I found that very, very helpful in my discernment um, and met uh, very many people along the way uh, who were able to give me good advice. Um, if it's possible, maybe to have a spiritual director, um, so maybe like a, a priest that you can uh, talk to on a regular basis who can help you, because uh, sometimes we're not the best judges of our own especially mm -hmm. our our own faith life um, so somebody who can give you like objective feedback to help you just to deepen your faith um, so i think all of those um reading as well spiritual reading um is a great help but really i mean the idea is that it, it's a law that's calling and i suppose it reminds us of the reading that we had there just a few days ago from samuel speak lord your servant is listening is that it Yes, okay. yes. And, and and ultimately, when you do discern that you're able to take that next next that next step um, and and try, um, it is a leap of faith. Um, but um, if we don't try, we'll never know. That's true. That's true. I suppose the next question is, is something that uh, people might might uh, 
might want me to ask and I'll ask it anyway. The way people have lived out their religious life has changed over the last number of years, our parents and our grandparents and so on and so forth, with foreign numbers attending Mass and the sacraments. How would you see religious practice in the Church moving forward from now, from these days? Mm, that's a great <laughs> question. Um, it does seem uh, that the Church in Ireland um, is probably experiencing a time of purification right now. But I think if we look at it in the context of the history of the church, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's certainly painful, for sure. Um, but we've seen again in history that after such times, um, there comes a great period of fruitfulness. Um, you know, we have that image from the vine and the branches you know, of uh, that scripture reminds us so well, um, you know, of being pruned um, and, and that's a necessary and, and healthy thing. Um, but I think this new springtime, uh, this budding is already happening here in Ireland. True, I think we're being called to declare what we believe uh, and to be witnesses of what we believe in our daily lives. And I think there's also uh, particularly a new generation of young people, uh, but also pe people of all ages who are really seeking to know God and to know the truths of their faith and then to share that with others. And so I think this is a really wonderful and hopeful time. And I suppose just to finish off, so and just following through from that, would you share a word of hope maybe a prayer for those who are struggling to hold on to their faith these days please yes certainly I think um, we must acknowledge that this is a very challenging time for so many people uh, for various reasons um, and I think there are a lot of people who are suffering right now and I think we may not always feel um, on our emotional level that God is with us, um, even and most especially in these times of darkness. But when we don't understand or when we feel abandoned, we're called to believe by faith. And when we're baptized, we receive the virtues of faith, hope and love into our souls. I find it helpful to think about those who have gone before us in this country. Um, we really stand on the shoulders of giants of faith in this country. Um, people, our ancestors who lived and died by their faith, uh, even when they were stripped of everything, like when they were evicted from their homes, they were ridiculed for their culture, their way of speaking, they experienced famine, plagues. Um, that's, it's not new uh, in our history. Um, but we can see that they could even experience this suffering. And we see this with the saints too. They can experience it even joyfully because they're living for a higher reason. 
they know that their goal is to be united with God in heaven. Now, it's very hard for us on a daily, daily basis to be to remember this. Um, and one way that we can do that is to to try and recall it to our minds and um, that that God loves us so much that he sent his only son for us um, so that we could have this possibility of being united with him forever. Um, but I do know that the memory of of what has gone before us, that helps me when I get stuck um, in doubt or self-pity or despair um, to be able to tap into that faith and that hope. Um, and I'd encourage anybody who's who's struggling with that right now to, to try to bring it to the Lord. Just talk to him. Um, whether you're angry with him or whether you're doubting or um, struggling with whatever you're struggling, he, he wants to share in that with you. And he wants to come in to the place where we're most hurt or we're most wounded um, and to heal that. Um, and so um, I just offer this, John, you asked me to uh, to pick a piece of music. And the song that I picked, um, it's called Build Your Kingdom Here. It's by, by a group from Northern Ireland, uh, Ren Collective. Um, and I just love the, the lyrics of it um, because it offers us this, this prayer of hope. Uh, it says, build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear, show your mighty hand, heal our streets and our land, set your church on fire, win this nation back, change the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. And so I just offer that as as our prayer that uh, we will be healed and changed and strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, both individually um, and also as a nation. Sister Katrina, what a beautiful way to finish it off. Thank you very much indeed for sharing your time with us today. I know you're fairly busy. And thank God that that that, that um, people like yourself do listen to the Lord calling. And even though sometimes, as you said early on, uh, we're not too sure if it's calling, calling me or somebody else or what to do, but you had the courage to continue on that journey. And now you're carrying out the work that the Lord wants you to do. We'll keep you in prayer. Please you keep so us much. all in prayer here uh, and in uh, West Limerick and our sacred space community here. And please, God, we'll talk to you again some other time. God bless you. Now. Yes, it's been a great privilege. Thank you very much, John. God bless. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze. Like wildfire in our very souls Holy Spirit, come invade us now We are your church We need your power in us We seek your kingdom first We hunger and we to waste our lives for you are our joy and prize.
Darkness fear, show your mind.